Blog Talk Radio. I'm a truth terrorist. I'm a knowledge gangster. I'm a black history hitman. I'm a live killer urban gorilla. I gotta be a rough nag. Free the black panthers. FCBP. Stand for free the black panthers. If up the black police. That 13th Amendment. Trying to make a slave of me. You can like my body, can't trap my mind, not forever be free. Okay, free the Black Panthers, FCBP, stand for free the Black Panthers, and fuck the black police. Feds infiltrated our movements for black leadership roles, but we still here, in the bill here, up coin tail pro. Show, they got me started, lying hearted, I'm the new Mufasa. And I'm all about Umoja, first in Guzu Saba. Let's bring back the black families, we need our father. Single mama, son and daughter, that's root of the problem. Wise up, we wise up. Unity is so powerful. Black banks, black schools, black on black power moves. You tell a lie, you think this shit won't be televised. Black power, be scared guys, that be standing there like they paralyzed. Huh? We say fuck the system, cause we above the system. We keep ARs and pistols, shotguns that's worth the crystal. But that's for self-defense, make sure we have no issues. Be sure to leave it at the door if you have it with you. This for them freedom fighters, that lost their freedom. Until they freedom, we screaming carpe diem. This for the general. King Khalid Muhammad, we gon' make your day a holiday. I fuck me, promise. Free the Black Panthers, FCBP, stand for free the Black Panthers. If up the Black Police, that 13th Amendment, tryna make a slave of me. You can like my body, can't trap my mind, not forever be free. Okay, free the Black Panthers, FCBP, stand for free the Black Panthers. If up the Black Police. Feds infiltrated our movements for black leadership roles, but we still here in the bill head up coin tail pro. RBG, 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 RBG. My sisters, my brothers, the council, the elders, that's really all I need. We suited, we booted, don't do it, you stupid, we head to the armory. Black woman and goddess, regardless, my heart just don't fuck with misogyny, bullshit, I don't tolerate it. Melanated, so you gotta hate it. Barack upped up another conversation. Trump finna get inaugurated, damn. Unify or die, nbpp.org. First and foremost, the new Black Panther Party, no, no other Black Panther Party, we're not violent. We are for self-defense and self-determination. And the most violent group in this country are the police. What is taking place by the police department to black people across this country is ethnic cleansing and genocide. It has escalated since the day that Barack Obama was inaugurated in 2008. We have a, 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 a people who are only 13% of the population, yet we make up 80% of the prisons. We have 50% unemployment rate in the black community, and it's actually even more than that because they're not counting our people that are in the prison. The 13th Amendment said you could not be made a slave or indigenous service unless you commit a crime. The 14th Amendment forced our people to be subjects of this government. We never had any say in that. We need our own nation.
That's right, Baba Black Power, Black Power. And for anyone that wants to get in contact with you, what's the best way? ProfessorSmallAfricanWorld.com, my page, and you can reach me and I can get back in touch with you. But ProfessorSmallAfricanWorld.com. So peace and blessings, Black Power, freedom or death. Do what we got to do to get to where we got to go. Right on, Black Power, Black Power. Black Power, peace and blessings. Peace and blessings. That was Baba James Smalls. Next up, he's in the corner. Young warrior coming out of Dallas, Texas. This young brother, Yafeo Balagoon, representing community movement. I know the brother actually from my first days of joining the New Black Panther Party. He was part of the, the Dallas chapter of the New Black Panther Party. I think he was about, come on, come off a mute. Let's do a mic check. Mic check, mic check. But Yafeo, Balagoon, Mike Check. Can you hear me? Loud and clear. I'm about to mute everybody else. I'm about to mute everybody else. Things like this Zoom, I mute everybody else except Luke Mon. Luke Mon got a special button. Some kind of way he can, he can mute me. <laughs> right. Y'all just joking. Good brother. Good brother. <laughs> but, uh, Y'all fail about the going. How old were you when I met you? I think you were like 16, 17. Young young Bobby. You were young Bobby. 18. I was 18 years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the brother's been rolling a soldier. You know, one of the co-founders of the Huey P. Newton Gun Club, People's Lunch Counter, Gorilla Mainframe, now Community Movement. Community what? Movement Builders. Yes, right. That's right. Talk about a builder. (laughs) But, you know, but every time we've been on the battlefield, we've been fighting for justice. You know, this is something, you know, it's, we, we we must deal with this. You know, uh, we've been fighting against police brutality, holding demonstrations, uh, doing, you know, military, uh, community urban trainings. Um, we've been in solidarity with, with the comrades uh, many a time. You know, we, you know, I mean, think of... Black identity extremists. Huh? Raccoon Balagoon. Raccoon Balagoon. You know, they, they came up with these different kind of terminologies for the top. What do they call They call labeled uh, black identity black extremists. Identity yep. Because we're black and we say black power. I guess that's extreme. And we identify with our blackness. You know, but we're not going to take on these false labels. We're going to, you know, do what it do and continue to be freedom fighters for black liberation. So without further ado... I'm going to introduce to some and reintroduce to others. Yafael Balagoon, you have the floor, King Black Power. Black Power, Black Power. First of all, I appreciate the opportunity to have a chance to come speak to everyone here. Uh, my elders who spoke before me, with uh, I thank you with so much gratitude, the sacrifices that you all have made uh, so that folks like myself can have the ability to stand upon your shoulders. Um, I'm going to go ahead and share my screen. If I may, uh, let me see. Give me a second. Do, 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 do. Uh, give me a brief second. Uh, share your screen, brother. Yeah, I'm trying to share my screen. I'm trying to share it. Uh, it's over here. Let me see. 
Give me a second. Okay. Uh, it should be open on my side here to allow you to do it. Can you see my screen? We can see Probably you. Can. Up. Yes, sir. Can you see, see it now? Can you still yes. see it? Yes. It says Google. Yes. Ah, no, that's not the one. Ah, let me see. Uh, it's all right, no problem, brother. You'll get there. You'll get there. Give me one second. Uh, man, I want to show this PowerPoint. You guys can't see it. Let me hold on a second. Yeah, probably. Got, it might work when you go back in this time. I think that happened with a couple of the other presenters that had to go in and come back out. Okay. Uh, that's what I probably. Um, okay, give, give me a second. Let me let me go out. I'm gonna come back in. Uh, you going out of the Zoom? I didn't mean go out to Zoom. I mean go out to the share screen thing and then come back in. Let's see. Man, I tell you that this uh these participants, a lot of these people have been on since nine in the morning. That's some, some good uh audience participation. I wonder does the Zoom record the chat conversation as well? We have to get somebody to help us out with that. We want to re we want to remind everybody that we will take uh, today's uh, presentation. It's been recording since the beginning. We will uh, condense it down to video format and upload it onto our YouTube channel. We tried to go live this morning, but we had technical difficulty and we couldn't afford to waste any more time. And we had to go ahead and do do the show straight by Zoom. So. We, you know, we push forward. We've got some common, uh, some common ideas that have come out this this presentation today, um, and we've got a lot of information that also came out that we need to digest and uh, put into action. But it seems like the most unifying thing, the most common thing that folks have been talking about, is us coming together with a uni and, and putting together a unified strategy. Uh, that we can get the masses of our people to get involved with. Uh, okay, let me bring up, let them come back in here. <coughs> I was saying, brother, I didn't think he needed to back all the way out of the Zoom. Maybe he got knocked out. Jafay, I'll just let you back in. But the most common thing that everybody came up with was to have a, is that the, the uh, and come up, for us to come up with a unified strategy that we could all implement. Uh, first get together and determine what that would be, and then from that we would all move out. So that would be our next course of action. We can see it now. We can see it now. <laughs> our reason, black children, black family and land. Can you hear me? We can hear you. Okay, good to go, good to go. All right, you have the floor, black power. All right, all right. <clears throat> so um, in terms of our call for reparations, um, we do have a reason um, for 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 us, or for most of us, or for what what should be is our black children, the black family, and the land. The children, of course, being our future. Um, I have sons myself, and everything that I do, uh, like I'm sure others on this call, uh, everything that we do is should be for uh, making the lives of our children be better, which ultimately unifies our family. Family is the most important thing that we, we do have. We don't have anything else. We have family. 
But of course, uh, with this reparations call, the most important asset, uh, of course, is land. Land is everything. Uh, when we, we have the ability to pass resources down, one of the most important resources that we can pass down to our children, which, of course, is our reason, is land. So it's very important. As some of the other moderators have mentioned, uh, talked about the transatlantic slave trade, uh, talked about the Arabs, um, their involvement uh, in the transatlantic slave trade, what's, what's going on today in terms of Islamic uh, persecution of African people, uh, mentally and, of course, physically, uh, they're still going on. The European uh, aspect to the uh, transatlantic slave trade, uh, bringing those physical bodies from the continent of Africa to any one of those stops or destinations in the Caribbean, in the Americas, South America, wherever that may be, or in the world. Uh, this is an important thing that we understand the why. You know, the why, why we're asking for reparations, why we're demanding reparations. Here in the United States, uh, three to four hundred years of child enslavement. I don't know if, you know, if y'all can relate, but of course I've heard some of the stories that my father and mother told me as a child. And a lot of these things they would pass down. Uh, from, the, from the story of my father, uh, we were on a plantation in East Texas called the Goodson Plantation in East Texas, right out of Sulphur Springs. And I've done a little bit of history and a little bit of research myself, and I can find that most of those people that share the, uh, the surname of Goodson um, in some way or form here in the city of Dallas were all related in some way or form. Uh, my great-grandparents had a multitude of children, and uh, I think that it's very important that the stories about the child enslavement, uh, that I can trace my history back to 1830 with a slave named Anne. Uh, she was born in 1830 and forward until her son, who was my great-grandfather, King Charles Goodson. Uh, they, the stories live on. And so this is a, a very important part of history that, that needs to be discussed because there is a part that, that's going on today and it may be going on in your state's called critical race theory that the objective is to have us forget. So my part in the discussion uh, about reparations is not necessarily a monetary thing, but more or less about remembering and trying to keep uh, hold of what our forefathers, the oral stories, what our forefathers told us, and that we have to pass on. Cotton, uh, a lot of that was what we were doing on these plantations. As you can see here by the caption here, it says 80% of the world's cotton production came from the United States, 80%. And so we spent generations, our ancestors spent generations working on these cotton plantations in such places such as Natchez, Mississippi. You guys may have heard of Natchez, Mississippi. They did a lot of cotton production in Natchez, Mississippi. Uh, for what my father told me as a, as a kid, he, he had to do this sort of thing. Um, even as, That's one generation away. Uh, but 80% of the world's cotton production came from the United States, and all of this was, of course, free label. Next thing I really want to discuss is uh, Baba Smalls said something to me that kind of stuck out to me. He talked about the politics, and I think it's important uh, to discuss the politics, at least the local politics of it. And so I, I chose to kind of take this direction, uh, just kind of looking at it in, initially from the general perspective, understanding what our reason is. It's obviously the black children, the black family, 
and the land, which is the most important recess, resource, understanding the historical part that the transatlantic slave trade uh, played in this, uh, in this part, and discussing it locally. The city of Dallas uh, has a founder uh, by the name of John Neely Bryan. It was founded in 1871. Interesting thing about this white man is that in 1877, uh, he died in Texas Lunatic Asylum. So he was a madman. And so we know that many of these Confederates are mad people. They're just uh, crazy. Even today, they're, they're, those of us on the extreme, extreme right are very crazy, very lunatic acting. And so he was, he was no different. I think we have to look at things from a local perspective as well and to, to try to get, uh, gain a solution. Another thing I want to talk about is Jane Elkins. I, we can't uh, discuss the black family without talking about the contributions of a black woman. And James Elkins, she killed her captor. Her captor was named Mr. Will Wisdom in 1853. Now, allegedly, she was the first woman that legally hanged in Texas. Now, in Dallas-Fort Worth, there was a play that they discussed the life of Jane Elkins and how the the captor, Mr. Wisdom, uh, basically bought her for time. You no, know, she was su supposed to uh, allegedly uh, help around his, you know, around his house or whatever. And ultimately what happens is he attempted to rape her. And so Jane Elkins basically waited until Mr. Wisdom went to sleep and she hit him over the head with an axe. So she killed him. And so it, it created this entire big thing here in Dallas where allegedly she was the first woman uh, that was legally hanged. This happened in 1853. Uh, another individual, uh, Confederate individual, by the name of John Brown Miller. Now, John Brown Miller, he actually owned a, a plantation. Uh, this is a plantation in the heart of Dallas uh, that he owned a considerable number of African people, uh, slaves in the area, and his slaves would come and go from the plantation. Uh, interestingly enough, as you can see, uh, this is uh, uh, probably a Dallas Time Herald uh, story where it says Dallas also had a great fire in 1860, and three Negroes were hanged. Well, those so-called Negroes, at least one of those Negroes, came off of John Brown's Miller's plantation. And, of course, uh, amongst uh, him and his cohorts, that, that brought him some, I guess, some sort of embarrassment. Uh, but these, these black uh, men were, were hanged in a location now that they call uh, Martyrs Park. Um, and so Martyrs Park in the city of Dallas is a, is a, is a park. It, it doesn't have anything at the park, per se, but it's, it's just a wide open space that, you know, needs, to, needs some attention paid closer to it. Uh, this this park is supposed to be commemorating the life of those three men uh, that were hanged. Uh, initially, uh, before this marker was placed here, uh, a lot of brothers would go back and forth to court because um, it's right it's right down the street from the courthouse. Um, you know where where a lot of us get get time or whatnot. It's it's literally a stone's throw from the from the court where we go to, uh, where others have went to and, and served a lot of time. But uh, this is the interesting thing about uh, Martyrs Park is talking about the history. The history of that uh, is uh, very important. Now, of course, chronologically, we come to 
uh, Juneteenth. And, of course, that, that's kind of a little bit what uh, we're, we're talking about today um, is Juneteenth uh, being, quote, unquote, um, told that in, in Galveston that, hey, uh, you guys are free to go or you can, you can carry forward. And, and our people had to decide on how to move forward. So more so, um, they could have stayed on the plantation or they could have ventured out. Those that desired uh, to venture out created what's called Freeman's Town. You got Joppa. Um, Joppa is a well-known Freeman town uh, established here, as you can tell, in 1872. Uh, there are other Freeman towns uh, in just the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Deep Ellum is another one. Um, Freedman Cemetery, um, that's, a, that's a location that is commonly used now where uh, a lot of the uh, ex-slaves are, uh, are buried at. Um, and there's an interesting story behind Freedman Cemetery where they actually initially built a freeway over the, uh, over the burial ground, and it was a, a fight in the early, mid-'90s to try to recover um, a lot of that history. And so this is how we get... Freeman Cemetery. Uh, a lot of the uh, brothers and sisters use the uh, Freeman Cemetery currently now for spiritual growth and spiritual development. Um, you see Little Egypt. Um, that's, that's what we call it. We identified with, with ancient Kemet even then in Freeman Town. Everything that we are talked about, have done, or attempting to do, our ancestors had thought about it. In this same uh, in this same spirit of Joppa, which again was established 1872, right after uh, Reconstruction, we were able to create our own communities, our own barbershops, our own hospitals, our own everything that we needed was uh, was there. And so, the the premise of my statement is that the the the, the revolution, as it's commonly referred to, is a process. It's a process. Um, every generation has a part of that process to pick up that piece and carry forward. And our ancestors, as you can see right now in, in, this, in this particular slide, had the ability to organize to create their own communities. They wasn't asking, sitting up for asking white folks for anything. They decided to uh, clean themselves up, get themselves together, get themselves organized, and was able to create the community. The pro a lot of times uh, our problem is, is that we're out organized. And so I'm sure that as we're working uh, as a people, that we'll get back to where we need to be. Here's an example of uh, in Deep Ellum, a black, a black hospital in Deep Ellum. Pass by this every day. Uh, thousands of people pass by this every day and not aware that this, is a, uh, this was the first African-American hospital in Deep Ellum that you know, that we we went to and we was taken care of by our community. And I, I've heard a couple of people mention that uh, we shouldn't necessarily have to go to the enemy per se and have to be dependent upon the enemy. Well, this is a grand example right here where we had some sort of self-determination, the African-American hospital here uh, in Deep Ellum. And, and those that have been to Deep Ellum, uh, Deep Ellum is, a, is a, a place now where a lot of party and celebration type of things go on. Um, but there's a lot of historical value in Deep, Oil, Deep Ellum, excuse me, such as um, this hospital here. Here's a shot of Freeman's uh, Cemetery, uh, Freeman Memorial Cemetery. And a lot of, uh, 
us, brothers and sisters, the black family, et cetera, we would go we go in here and we do a lot of spiritual work. And I think it's important that we go here and do a lot of spiritual work and talk directly with our ancestors because that's that's where our ancestors uh are, are buried at. Some of those buried in that cemetery are unmarked, some of them are unnamed, but I think it's the it's the principal uh matter that we, we go there at least on some continuous basis uh to honor them. And so that that's been going on now for uh quite a while. I think Crystal, you may have been uh once or twice during your times of coming traveling back and forth to Africa I mean uh to Dallas perhaps. But um I, I know you heard of for sure. This is a very uh popular site, um or image I should say, the hanging of Alan Brooks in nineteen ten. Um and you know, I've seen this. I've seen this as a kid, and it kind of it scared me as a kid, because um, I, I didn't I didn't realize the significance of it. But I knew it was part of Dallas history. And this site, this brother Alan Brooks, obviously was hanged. Uh, this site, uh, this picture, this photo is something that has traveled the internet quite a bit, and a lot of folks see it. But it's right here in Dallas, Texas. And in fact, a couple of weeks ago, maybe about three or four weeks ago, I stood. Um, somewhere over here just kind of you know looking at the picture and kind of just coordinating myself to where that that hanging was um and you you see all these people here um you know sort of celebrating you know the hanging of alan brooks um i thought that that was important uh to discuss because all of this what the the basis of this is i'm discussing uh is the city of dallas's uh kind of part in the cogwheel of, of fighting for reparations. And, and it's important to discuss the history, especially on the local level, so that we can understand that there's a part and, pros, uh, part and parcel that each local uh, group, et cetera, in whatever part of the country you are, we all have a part to play in ultimately getting reparations for our people. And we have to understand the history simply because there's a, there's a, uh, effort now to try to make us forget this history so we have to be willing and able to put this forward so our people can understand uh the the importance of it um so an organization called remembering black dallas a brother by the name of uh george keaton uh, has began to uh try to apply some solutions uh so to me this is just my perspective here a lot of what I may have discussed, uh, you know, uh, here, talking about these problems uh, that we've experienced, uh, being uh, Jane Elkins being murdered um, just because she defended herself from being raped, uh, hitting her captive Mr. Wisdom on top of the head, uh, or uh, as, the, as here, uh, the, the so-called slaves of... Uh, Miller slaves uh, being part of this fire that took place that allegedly burned the city. We have always been willing to fight for our freedom. There's also an effort to, to uh, portray that all of us was like docile, willing participants. No, that's not the case. There was many of us was willing to fight and to die. I'm sure that Jane Elkins knew when she hit Mr. Wisdom over the head with an axe, she knew if they were able to uh, get her or hold her captive, 
that obviously that they was going to give up the highest punishment of it all, which they ultimately did in 1853. And again, allegedly, she's a uh, first woman legally hanged uh, in Texas. So we've always been been willing to fight. Um, I think part of it is uh, to reclaim our history so that folks would know. Uh, I think somewhere in the early 2000s, this particular movement, remember in Black Dallas, decided to try to get as much information about Freeman Towns. Because with the Freeman Towns, you will find the, the pieces that can help us uh, establish nationhood, establish self-determination, establish that freedom. It's with the Freedmen's Town because they depend upon themselves. And so that's what organizations like Remembering Black Dallas, George Keaton, who's now an ancestor at Goon, who's passed away about six months ago, um, unfortunately, to try to make sure that we know our history in the city of Dallas. Another brother is historian uh, Donald Payton. Now his uh, ancestors were one of the slaves that come out of this plantation, the Miller Brown Plantation, uh, where now every year in the month of July, uh, they, they do a large family reunion at what's now called the Miller Brown Park in Highland Hills in Five Mile, which is a, another Freedman's town. And so here in the city of Dallas, there's Freedman towns all over the place. Uh, there's Freeman Towns all over the place. Many examples to how we can establish our own communities. We don't have to ask for anybody to, to establish our own communities. All we have to be willing to do is to come together collectively and do it. And so uh, that's the example um, that uh, Donald Payton here discussed where he talks about his ancestors' contributions, um, uh, you know, to reclaiming our history. Um, additionally, uh, just for on the international level, um, apartheid uh, South Africa, um, after uh, apartheid ended in South Africa, now, of course, obviously, there are some other elements of control of, of the people that live there, 90% or maybe even 95% of them are us. Um, the effort was to struggle for the land and also get rid of the names of the oppressors. And so you see here uh, in South Africa, they got rid of uh, Tom, Thomas Jones Street, and they renamed it uh, Amina Kachalia Street um, in South Africa. And that, that is a, uh, a struggle within itself, which some have defined as uh, land reparations, landscape reparations, excuse me. Um, and, that, and that's which uh, if we live in a particular community where those streets, those landmarks should reflect, you know, uh, reflect our history, reflect our heritage. And that's the same thing that Remembering Black Dallas uh, was, has basically been about. So even, even here uh, in Dallas, um, you see here, uh, right here it says uh, Malcolm X. Uh, you can't really see it here, but this is Martin Luther King Street. This is the only place where these two streets uh, cross anywhere in the country. And there was an effort uh, by members of the original Black Panther Party here in the city of Dallas to ensure uh, that since this community, which is South Dallas, uh, at that particular time was probably 95% African-American, Obviously, now there's some justification things that's kind of going on now, uh, but uh, 
they, they aspired to change Martin Luther King and Malcolm X because that, those were the streets that, that, that we live on. And so when a little kid such as myself who grew up in the 90s uh, stepped out or was in South Dallas, I saw Malcolm X Street. Not only did I see the movie, but I saw the street, which is that would be something that I could uh, sort of reflect on. And so that's the idea is that the, the people have to relate to those streets, and the streets are very important. Um, let's see here. So with, with, st with stating that, um, I agree uh, with uh, Crystal's position in terms of development of local reparations movement, task force uh, organizing, and seeing how far locally that, that we could uh, – develop the conversation. I think it's I think it's very important. I think organizations like Encobra uh have done a lot of the legwork. I think Encobra doesn't get a lot of the credit that it deserves because there's other groups, ADOS and these other groups that just popped up over the past uh couple of years or so. Uh but the the bulk of that the conversation part of it uh has been done by Encobra and the, the elders there before us. And so since they've done that and there's a little bit of a movement with that conversation in California. Obviously, the call now should be continue to uh, develop these local organizations, have these conversations, have town halls, and be willing to take it forward and push it to the people. And the people uh, should decide on exactly how this conversation should take uh, should take forward. But I, I think I think all of this. My, my take from this is that what I want you to take from this is that from this point, all of this has been a process. It's a protracted process, um, and no part of it has been no less important than the other part, um, the reclaiming of the history, um, realizing that the contradictions that exist, realizing our successes. It's a successful thing to, to be able to have our, our own hospitals and not necessarily have to depend on white folks to take care of it. It was, it was a successful thing, and I know our people – we're very proud of that, especially when you look at the conditions now that we're in, um, like, like talking about COVID, talking about police brutality, which really is a euphemism for police terrorism. Um, you know, these things um, are there for us to kind of uh, fall back upon, and history is our greatest teacher. Um, outside of that, Sister Crystal, that's my conversation. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. So I, I think we, we should we should uh, begin to have conversations about organizing, have conversations about uh, what to do on a local level to complement what's going on on a national level, but be very serious about having that conversation um, with our communities. That's it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Black Power. Thank you, Brother Yafeo. That's perfect timing. Uh, we were actually coming upon the 7 o'clock hour in, in which we play our radio broadcast. So I got the, I got my in my left hand my phone starting the radio broadcast, in which tonight we're gonna play a, a, a rerun on the radio, uh, but we're gonna open up the mic right now for another uh, former New Black Panther Party. Well, I can't say former. Y'all still New Black Panther Party. Y'all might be doing other stuff. You know what I'm saying? But we got brother, brother Yusef. Open up that mic. There go brother Yusef and sister Stella. That you know these are OGs in the Black Panther Party movement. Now they are city council people and county commissioners and, you know. Is it open up? 
Yeah. We had Brother Bashir on there earlier, who's in, uh, in Newark. You know, we have a lot of brothers and sisters who have come through the party who are doing other things that are, and are still active and supporting the movement. And, it's, it's it, you know, it's not only a reparations teaching, it's, it's almost like a, a reparations family reunion, Black Power. So we thank Yafeo Balagoon out of Dallas, Texas, who just did a very strong build. And we're coming in with Brother Yusuf Shabazz out of Savannah, Georgia. And we just saw his beautiful uh, wife, Queen uh, Dr. Estella Shabazz. Brother Yusuf, he was our, yes, when, I was, when I was active under Malik, Brother, yes, uh, Brother Yusuf was our national spokesman. And then he went on to become the international uh, representative. And so, uh, I mean, so from local, we were just talking about organizing under referendums locally uh, and, you know, on the political movement side. So our brother has experience on the, on the freedom fighting side and an actual political realm. He's won political seats. So he's got, and he's also a businessman, home builders, stores, you name it, world traveler, you know, him and the queen. So talk about people who can give you some information from not only boots on the ground, but for people who have built institutions and have infiltrated the institutions. Black power. You have Black to call my brother. Black power. Black power. Can, she hear you? can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you loud and clear. Okay, very good. It is an honor. It is my honor to be here at the invite of Sister Crystal and the Black Nation, the New Black Panther Party, and uh, that Black Power General, uh, Sister Crystal. We honor and we respect you. Uh, I've been asked to uh, give a talk on the Black Holocaust here this evening. But we want to uh, hear from uh, the platform that was reestablished by Dr. Khaled Abdul Muhammad and the New Black in the New Black Panther Party, the uh, ten point program and platform. Uh, I want to touch on a few points with this. Uh, we want freedom. We want the power to practice self determination and to determine the destiny of our community and the Black nation. We believe in the spiritual high moral code of our ancestors. We believe in the truth of the Bible, Quran, and other sacred texts and writings. We believe in Maya and the principles of Nguzo Saba. We believe that black people will not be free until we're able to determine our own divine destiny as a people. Then I want to come down here and say we want tax exemption and the end to the robbery of the black nation by capitalists. We want to enter the capitalistic domination of Africa in all of its forms. Imperialism, criminal settler colonialism, neocolonialism, racism, sexism, Zionism, apartheid, and artificial borders. We believe further in the power in the hands of the people, wealth in the hands of the people, and power, arms in the hands of the people. We believe that this right racist government of America has robbed us, and now we're demanding the overdue debt to reparations. If former reparations was promised 100 years ago, 40 acres and a mule, for example, and restitution for the continued genocide of our people and to in meaningful measures and repair the damages of the African Holocaust, Magamizu Ma'afa, the Ma'afa, the Black Holocaust. Dr. Khaled Muhammad taught us uh, as a student of Dr. Khaled Muhammad, he said not only was it a Holocaust, 
but it was a hell of a cost for people to ever have to pay. The Black Holocaust um, centered around dehumanization, vilification, slave labor, uh, stolen legacy as a stolen people. Uh, Khalid Muhammad used to teach us that how can we beat the white man stealing when hell he stole us. Mass incarceration, torture, medical experimentation, and how they experimented on our people and are continuing to experiment on, experiment on us to this very day. Discrimination in all forms, ethnic cleansing, lynchings. I heard the brother, the esteemed brother that just left off for the air, and he was talking about the lynchings and how he saw that as a young young man. Mass murder. And they continue to, you know, they, they, they've been murdering us since they brought us over here. When they came to get us, they murdered us. And when they brought us over here, they continue to murder us even to this very day. We're always marching and we're always protesting. And uh, we always, we say that we don't mind dying for the struggle, but we were also taught that we will kill for the struggle if necessary. Psychological damages based on the African Holocaust, post-traumatic stress disorder. You know, to slave labor, to work a people for uh, a period of 400 plus years for no pay. Can you imagine the amount of slave wages that uh, we could use that today? The amount of money that they made on the backs of our brothers and sisters, on the backs of our ancestors on the backs of those brothers and sisters who came in that great line of divine in the black nation. This, uh, this, this, that alone, it gives a basis for us asking or demanding the payment of reparations. I'm in favor of reparations. When they had the, uh, and Cobra was sponsoring the sit down with the endowments. We were, we were to every last one of them. Anything that's, uh, in favor of reparations, we're there. Uh, we, we are part of that. And I'm, I'm just so happy that Sister Crystal invited us to come along with this right here. Uh, and it's, uh, it's commendable because it, it brings our brothers and sisters together, regardless of land, label, or language, regardless to whatever affiliation we may have. Some of us may be Muslim. Some of us may be Christian. Some of us may be agnostic. Some of us may not even believe in God at all, but we're here on one accord uh, in unity asking for reparations and demanding reparations. You know, one of our ancestors said that power concedes nothing without a demand, and we say that that demand must be, be backed up by power. We are backed by power. We're backed by the creator, God's self. Uh, we are backed up with power. We say black power, and we say black power, black power. So the medical experiment, experimentation that the white man has used to uh, experiment on us, and all types of medical experimentations, uh, discrimination, housing discrimination, job discrimination, all types of discrimination in all of its forms that they have practiced on us, and they still continue to practice on us. You know, racism is not as uh, uh, 
visual as it is. And then, then again, it is. Uh, we say that the white man uh, has not changed. Uh, I, 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 I beg to differ with that. The white man has changed. The white man has gotten worse. He's worse than what he ever was. Him and her, they're worse than what they ever were. You know, so they have changed all right. But, you, you know, the more things change, the more things remain the same. That's why we have to we have to be the gatekeepers, the keepers of the culture. We must be overseers for our people. Uh, we must be able to be the eyes, the ears, the legs, and arms for our people to inform our people, to raise the level of consciousness for our people because they have made us deaf, dumb, and blind out of our mind and brainwashed with their minds. And but we have to continue to be on the front line. We have to continue to uh, open up and give them insight, give our people insight. All of our people are not blessed to be as uh, keen as the young brother uh, that just left off. Now, it's not as sharp as Sister Christian. It's not as sharp as all the brothers that's on this panel, brothers and sisters that's on this panel. Uh, it's a cadre of sharp brothers and sisters. When I saw the uh, the lineup, I was just so pleased. It brought, it brought joy to my heart to see all the black scholars and all the black thinkers, those who could contribute to what was going on. So this black holocaust, it continues to go on, continued genocide of our people. We, we're on the front lines fighting all over this country, all over this world for black injustice. You know, Dr. King once said that, uh, he said that a threat to justice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And that's true. He also said that while uh, sitting in darkness, crimes will be committed. But the one that commits the crime is not as bad as the one who facilitates the darkness, one who facilitates an environment for uh, decadence and filth and degeneracy to go on. That's the hidden hand of this no good white man that we see every day, that we see every day, brothers and sisters. And I'm I'm here to tell you that I'm not trying to get us to hate the white man for all that the white man has done to you already. If he hadn't done enough to make you hate him already, there ain't nothing that Brother Shabazz can say in 20 to 30 minutes that would make you hate or dislike white people. But he's done enough. He's done enough. So the psychological damage, our people are suffering from mental disorders all across this world from the oppression, from the, the white man's foot being on our neck. He's suffering with psychological damages. Uh, I think it was Dr. Naeem Abba that wrote the book, Chains and Images of Psychological Slavery and how the plantation ghost still haunts us today, and how we we would rather hear it coming from someone else other than hearing it coming from our brothers and sisters. You, you know, we could tell you that it's, it's a certain time, but you'd rather hear it coming from the white man. You'd rather hear it coming from our enemy and oppressor. You know, we've lost our primary frame of reference, which is the knowledge of ourselves. You know, we've uh, been hit in the head 
develop a sense of paralysis. But once we tap onto our primary frame of reference, we know who our loved one is. We know who mom and daddy is. We know who our enemy and oppressor is. But right now, if you don't have your primary frame of reference, then you'll, you'll love your enemy and oppressor, your sweetheart, your enemy and oppressor, and you'll hate yourselves and you'll hate your loved ones. You don't know who mom and daddy is when you don't know your primary frame of reference, which is a true knowledge of self. But it all, it all, it all predicates on a uh, knowledge of self, and which creates in the reverse a love of self. And then once you know yourself and love yourself, then it's easy for you to get up and do something for yourself. But we've been taught to hate ourselves. We've been taught to hate the thickness of our lips the darkness of our skin, the, the uh, thickness of our nose, the broadness of our nose, and texture of our hair. We've been taught to hate those things. It's been a dehumanizing process. And that's one of the, uh, that was one of the first tenets of the Black Holocaust was dehumanization, to take our humanness away from us, to take our natural state away from us as human beings, uh, to be treated at a, at a subhuman level and to be uh, oppressed to a point where we're not uh, human at all. We're treated like this. So the dehumanization was one of the first tools that they used, being lied on, ill-spoken of, uh, uh, being being, uh, robbed and spoiled and hidden in prison houses, robbed and spoiled and hidden in prison houses. You look all across this country, the black man and black woman are uh, rotting away in the institution under the tutelage of the penal system and under the, uh, the prison system and then having a pipeline from school to prison. Uh, that's, uh, it fuels this wicked, this wicked uh, establishment from, from babies they're trying our babies as adults and all of these things. Stolen. Mass incarceration. That's part of the Black Holocaust. Torturing us. Uh, discrimination. Ethnic cleansing. Lynching. And they're still lynching us to this very day. Uh, when, when, when under the te- teachings of Dr. Khaled Abdul Muhammad under his leadership. We went there to Jasper, Texas, when uh, Brother James Byrd was dragged. That was, a, that was a lynching. That was a lynching where he was dismembered. And the brothers and sisters got together. Dr. Khaled led a cadre of brave young men and women right down through Jasper, Texas, on the front line right there at uh, Duke University, uh, all over at the Jewish Holocaust Memorial, protesting that because letting them know that that the Jewish Holocaust Memorial wasn't really uh, comparison. It was no comparison to what our brothers and sisters went through. Mass murder, post-traumatic stress disorder. With that being said, brothers and sisters, With that being said, brothers and sisters, we want land, bread, housing, 
education, clothing, justice, and peace. And as our political objectives, we want national liberation, meaning separate state or territory of our own, here or elsewhere, a liberated zone, New Africa or Africa, and a plebiscite to be held throughout the black nation in which only we will be allowed to participate for the purposes of determining our own divine will and destiny as a people. Many of you all may say this is a pipe dream, but you better stop putting it in your pipe and smoking it because as long as we're here, as long as we're under the tutelage of this American uh, flag and this American government, then they're going to be killing us. Uh, many of the presidents themselves talked about how they wanted black, we had an unwanted presence of black people or African people here. I think it was Abraham Lincoln that said that uh, we suffer, they suffer from us being here and we're going to suffer from our presence here. And as he said that he is, he is much as any other white man would rather see, uh, it says as long as we're here, that's going to be always be the position of inferior, superior and inferior. And he said that I, as much as any other white man, would rather see the superior position assigned to the white race. And that holds true today. These people don't see you as being the equal. And you don't see yourselves as being the equal. Not really. You can tell by the way that we behave and the way that we act, how we are crossed all the way over to the other side of the street to support the white man's business and when our brothers and sisters are in need of those black dollars. You wouldn't have to have a, a campaign to spend, spend black dollars among black people if, uh, if we had that, if we didn't have that mentality. We have to teach that hard that black folks should spend their money with each other. Even with the idea of Juneteenth and how uh, the American government has uh, jumped on the bandwagon with celebrating Juneteenth. They want to commercialize it so that it can capitalize on you economically. They want to make it so commercial that you have to spend your dollars with them uh, just like you spend it during Christmas, Easter, Thanksgiving, New Year's, and all these other so-called holidays that's designed to empower the white man economically. But Malcolm said that whenever you spend the dollars out of the community in which you live, your community becomes poor and poor. And the community in which you spend your dollars in, that community becomes richer and richer. That's why wherever you see our people uh, at, the slum condition is this because we're not spending the dollars, the monies with each other. We don't have an economic parameters. And then we'll get together and we'll speak about consciousness and we'll speak about us being melanated people, and which is all well and good. But we don't want to pull our resources together and get something, some of this good land we can call our own to have independence. Because Malcolm also said that land is the basis for independence. If you don't have no land, then you, 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 you're either the landlord or the landless. Because there's always the landlord against the landless. You have to begin to empower ourselves economically pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps. Uh, a, a gross national income of over trillions, trillions of dollars each year. And that's not to mention those dollars that are not documented. Uh, we have to begin to open our eyes and 
pull ourselves together. You know, our disunity sentenced our people to the condition that we're in because we're not a unified people. We're always bickering and arguing among each other when we should have an uh, organized effort. We have an organized effort. Yes. So we want land, bread, housing, education, justice, clothing, justice, and peace. Objective, we want national liberation in a separate state or territory of our own. And one other thing before I, before I uh, close out, we want black people, we want all black people when brought to trial to be tried in a court by a jury of our own peer group or people from the black community as defined by white law, the United States of America, the Constitution of the United States of America. We believe that the courts should follow their own law if their nature will allow. As stated in the Constitution of the United States of America, so that black people will receive fair trials. The Sixth Amendment of the United States Constitution gives a man slash woman the right to an impartial trial, which has been interpreted to mean a fair trial, trial by one's peer group, a peer is a person from similar economic, social, religious, geographical, environmental, historical, racial backgrounds. To do this, the court will be forced to select a jury from the black community from which the black defendant came. We have been and are being tried by white juries all across this nation who have no understanding of the average reasoning of the black of the person of the black community. We demand an end to the racist death penalty as it applies to blacks and oppressed people in America. We demand freedom for all political prisoners of the black, red, and brown nation. We, we want national independence. We want dependence. We want independence, and we want freedom for all political prisoners, those who are held in county jails and prisons and juvenile homes all across this country. We want that. We want decent housing, fit for the shelter of human beings, free health care, preventive and maintenance. We want to end to the trafficking of drugs and the biological and chemical warfare targeting our people. We believe that since the white landlords will not give us decent housing and quality health care in our black communities, that housing and land and social, political, economic institutions should be made into independent Uzumas, new African communal cooperatives, so that our communities with government reparations and aid until we can do for ourselves and build and make drug-free decent housing fit for the shelter of human beings and free health facilities for our people. It is our responsibility to do this. And we, last but not least, we want an education for our people that exposes us to the true nature of the devilish and decadent American society. We want education that teaches us our true history and her history and our role in this present-day society. We believe in an educational system that will give our people a knowledge of self. If we do not have a knowledge of self and our position in society and the world, then we have little chance to properly relate to anything or anybody else outside of ourselves. I'm here to tell you that if the man didn't preach you right, he damn sure ain't going to teach you right. 
So these are a few things that we wanted to cover here. Uh, coming from Dr. Khalid Abdul Muhammad himself. And I thank you all for this opportunity. Thank you very much, Black Power and Black Love for everyone here, everyone present. Black Power, Brother Yusuf Shabazz. Black Power, Sister Krista, and thank we, you. Not only do we thank you, we appreciate you. And also we appreciate the queen, you, too, you know, yes, the work that you guys are doing in Savannah is very instrumental. Uh, we look yes. forward to having you a part of this think tank that we're pulling together for reparations. Yes, Our next session yes, we'll be doing in August, we'll be doing more so focusing on strategy. This teaching uh, yes. today was put in place to give a political education overview yes, and to yes, introduce yes. to many of you and reintroduce to some some yes, of the sir. great brothers and sisters who are a part of this collective, uh, uh, this collective of brothers and sisters that are coming in the best interest of our people, for our people, for in, impactful policy uh, strategies and marching orders as it relates to this reparations movement that is taking place right before our eyes. And on yes, our watch, sir. this generation, we will yes, be sir. a part of making manifest. So we thank yes, you, Brother sir. Black Power. Thank you, Chairwoman. I'm like Thank Black you. Power. Black Power. All right. Next, we got Brother War Williams coming up. Brother War Williams, he's going to be coming in from the West Coast. Another brother. Let's get a mic check, Brother War. See if we can get your mic open. Mic check, mic check. One, two. Sounds good. And that's kind of, you need some backlight. We can't hardly see you. That's that fine. You I'm going to I'm going to be sharing the screen, so that's what's important. Okay, no problem. I figured that is probably how you want to be. We should have had you helping us early this morning when we couldn't connect our YouTube. But we'll, that's all right. Come August 19th, we'll have it down pat. But but the show goes on. The show goes on. I guess it was meant to be this way because this Zoom has been a very, uh, a very uh, concentrated uh, group of participants. And the majority of the people who are on this Zoom have been on here since 9 a.m. this morning. And I'm, I'm very impressed, you know. So, and, and the presenters, it's just been back-to-back fire, nothing but fire, you know. So we're going to keep, you know, keep on beat. We, we're not going to turn down. We're going to turn it up. So this brother, Brother War Williams, he was the Southwest Regional Representative of the New Black Panther Party when I joined. And... uh uh, we came, I came on organizing as the Houston chair, and I, I went on. I uh, was given the, the honor to hold the Southwest Regional Rep position when Brother uh, Brother War went to a different part of the country. And now he's in another part of the country. But everywhere he goes, he keeps doing the work of the freedom fighter. So Black Power, but, but his formation has a different title, but it's still that black cat. So without uh, any further ado, Brother Robert Williams, which we call Brother Walt, Black Power. Black Power. Let me uh, share the screen here. Just confirm that you can see uh, see the information here. We can see it. Cool, cool. All right. So I'm going to take a. I'm going to also kind of do a little pickup from where James Smalls um, talked about when he was referencing us being in a state of war. Uh, again, Sister Crystal. Uh, refer to me as, as Brother War, so I, I, I kind of break that acronym down real quick. Willing, able, and ready, and it's Warlock actually. Willing, able, and ready, um, linguistical operational consciousness is, is what the acronym stands for. So a lot of the things that I get into 
have to deal with the foundational aspects of what we teach to the community and internally as a Panther. And uh, so from that, I want, let me go ahead and get started here. And so I think it's important that even though I'm going to be reading from the words on the screen, that is that we have this information because I typically like to talk at more of a, of, of a higher level of input and education when I speak because where there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And so from time to time, I'm going to talk at a different different level than we, we may be used to. So the, I come from the People's Black Panther Party and the San Diego Black Panther Party. So that's where I'm hailing from here in, in uh, San Diego. And the discussion here is going to be healing and repair from psychological diet of coping. Starting that, a first-in-the-nation task force in California created to examine slavery and its impacts on the black community released a 492-page report on the ongoing harms caused by slavery, political disenfranchisement, segregation, and subcultural assimilation operating through institutional embedded racism. The report tackles, let me scroll down here, apologize. The report tackles how the use of this systematic racism continues to impact black Californians to this day. The same thing we see all over the nation and world are being specifically mentioned in this report, which is government and private sector actions of unequal education and health outcomes, over-policing of black neighborhoods, which is modern-day channel slavery, demolishing black neighborhoods in the name of urban renewal, park construction, which we call land grab and gentrification. And for example, nearly 40% of California's homeless population is black, although the black population in the state is only 6%. So the focus I want to dive in today is the deficiencies within our psychological diet that exist as a result of the ongoing war being waged against our people. But first, we must set some staging definitions in order to align ourselves for this discussion. The first one being consumption identity, which is the identifier that generates collective instability and ties emotional dysfunction to purchasing. This brings into the weaponization of self and the perpetual avoidance of generating output or production. In recognizing the consumption identity, this is why re reparations is so important. This is why us seeing Juneteenth as what, we, uh, what many people refer to as our, our freedom really only affects what we refer to as being free-ish, but we're not free. Let me keep moving here. The next definition here, programming, a set of related measures or activities with a particular long-term aim. Weaponized programming is used to reshape a person's perspective and the reality through unconscious and subliminal means to exert an unnatural, abnormal behavior. Often this behavior is cloaked in signals used to trigger on and off the behavior without the person's conscious awareness or knowledge. And what's important by that, and we hear all the time uh, we, we, that people refer to us being programmed or people being programmed or just the concept of a programming being used, but not enough emphasis is placed on the fact that it is being weaponized against the population. And again, when we talk about the on and off behavior patterns and triggers that are used, these have to do with, with words, either words, pictures, sounds, tastes, that utilizing all of the sensory input in ways in which causes us to not know how to recognize when we are operating on this level. And if, and if you want more information on that, I suggest everybody study MKUltra, Project MKUltra, as just one example. Now, codependency, a relationship in which a person is physically or psychologically addicted 
are conditioned to a specific pattern that renders them incapable of operating from a position of self-control. That's where we find ourselves here in the United States, as well as the condition that they attempt to put us as Africans in all across the world. One of the things I like to throw, uh, throw out as a, as a reference point is too often people don't recognize how foreign aid has been weaponized against the population. The codependency that, that is created through certain types of foreign aid going to the fact that basically what they do kind of goes into the same cliche idea that we hear when we say you, you, you either feed a person a fish or you teach them how to fish. Now, I'm going to get into some, some concepts called the trifactor here. And what this does is this opens us up to, again, higher levels of pattern awareness because we keep getting hung up between what we call polarities. Polarities are, are binary concepts which have to do either this or that. Even within that statement itself, most people are only familiar with the concept of either you can feed a person to fish or, or teach them how to fish. But the missing component to that, which goes into our codependency, has to do with the third element, which is how it has to be a trifactor. That third one is to actually own the lake. Because whether I'm feeding you a fish or teaching you how to fish, if you have to go to report to your oppressor in order to actually catch a fish because you don't own land, because you don't recognize that the power is in the land, the power is in the ownership, then you are still in a position of oppression. So simply knowing how to fish when the, the areas where fish are, are populated or controlled and through, through other means of production that, that are not in your ability to, to deal with still creates a level of codependency. So we must realize that oftentimes when we're taught things in terms of two, there's really a third component that goes into there. And we'll talk about that more later as we keep moving. Social engineering, the manipulation of the social position and function of individuals in order to manage and create a desired society. And this is the condition that we really are finding taking place as we move forward. The next definition here is what's referred to as Operation HIM. That acronym stands for Handicapped Education, Irrelevant Entertainment, and Mind Control. So let me break that down. Handicapped Education, keeping the youth ignorant of real mathematics, real economics, real law, and real history by way of inefficient processing methods designed to teach linear quantitative perception. Now, let me break down linear quantitative perception. The methods that's used in the academic school systems really has more so to do with memorization than it has to do with actually being able to teach you to critically think. As a result of that, you are being taught linear quantitative perception. Linear quantitative perceptions keeps you from being able to be a visionary, keeps you from being able to think out of the box, keeps you from being able to be very creative. Obviously, there are people that fall uh, out, you know, that, that, that escape the linear quantitative perception, but we're talking about what happens to the mass majority of our people. As a result, it becomes very easy to weaponize edu the educational process and system against the population. The next one is irrelevant entertainment, keeping the masses on entertainment below a sixth grade uh, level. This is important because most of the video games and most of the things that people do on a consistent basis for entertainment is based upon an educational level below the sixth grade. It is called keeping you trapped in rep rep repetitive cycles that don't actually force your brain to continually learn and develop and grow right along with the human body. 
we take this for granted simply because we think they're becoming good at something to the point to where we, quote, unquote, master it, causes us to be, you know, uh, causes us to basically feel, fulfill our ego. The problem with this is that if you're not continually challenging your, your, your neurotransmitters to the point to where they keep growing and developing with the rest of the physical body that we take for granted from a physical standpoint as the body age, thinking that the brain is doing the same thing and the mind is, is, is following suit when it's actually not. Because we want to keep it plain oftentimes and not exercise and not challenge our growth, our internal growth, what happens is as we become adults, we do not have the actual con content capable of being able to, to think outside of the box and recognize patterns of deception and patterns of war that have in, encapsulated us as a people to the point to where we find ourselves in a position of being constantly victimized like we are now, which takes us to, to the third one here, which is mind control, exercising direct influence over another mind, either deliberately or inadvertently. And it is very important that we realize, again, talking about the trifactor, the element of handicapped education, irrelevant entertainment, and mind control being used as a three-hit quitter against our people on a day-to-day -day basis. It's not one or the other. It's all three. We're being hit from multiple angles of attack all of the time. Next definition, functional disorder. Existing without a known organic cause or direct mental structural change. And so many of, of the way we live our lives is based on functional disorder. This is no different than when we talk about, as an example, a crackhead being able to hold down a job. But if he's still addicted to substance or he or she is still addicted to substance, then they find themselves not being able to operate on a level that will allow them to do anything that is going to work toward collective freedom or even, or, or even dealing with the trifactor individual family or community because they are basically operating through functional disorder, which is the same thing as saying survival, which we'll talk about here a little later. Next definition, analytics. The systematic com computational analysis of data or statistics. Weaponized analytics includes data mining and archiving of ex expressed social behavior for the sake of direct targeting a population toward a specific thought or action pattern. And see, the key here is to talk about the different patterns, because too often we are not seeing this as what's going on. Mind cleansing, the invoking or redefining your appetite to embrace higher quantitative content, content, which is the whole point of what we're talking about when we deal with Project Him here, because the whole point is to keep you thinking on a a linear quantitative perception level. So then what we may need to be able to do is deal with mind cleansing as a way of combating mind control. And so we have to be able to, as a people, as an individual, family and collective, embrace high quantitative content. So our appetite must need, needs to change. And this goes into something that we talk about quite often within the Panther Party, but I had to break it down a little bit differently. Complete construction is often been referred to as, 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 as revolution is com a complete constructive change. But I want to 
elaborate a little further and refer to, uh, infer, refer to it as complete construction, which is a completeness meaning to plan, initiate, execute, monitor, control, and finish something. The problem that we find ourselves with, whether we talk about even within the, the Panther formations, community organizing, or as a people, as it applies to creating a situation where we are generating production and in control of our own self-determination, is that we set out to do things, which in terms means that we initiate something oftentimes, but when we initiate, oftentimes we forget to plan properly. Or, or when we plan something initiated, we don't maintain a monitor or, or in control of that, which means our foundation begins to erode so that the next generation is not able to pick it up. And then on top of that, we tend to not finish something that we've started. So to me, when we talk about revolution, we have to talk about it from the position of complete construction, the change toward complete construction. So I think that's important that we see that. Y'all still with me? I just want to make sure I'm not talking to myself. Comrade Crystal. Y'all hear me? Yes, sir. Right. You're doing great, brother. Appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate you. All right, let me keep moving here. The Black Panther Party teaches its members and the community to see the overlooked patterns in operation all around us by introducing the trifactor. One root trifactor we employ is called the three Ds, which is define, develop, and defend, which is kinetically activated by the three Ps, perception, pursuing, and preservation. These form our three cores of mechanism organization, which is continuity, battlefield, and life. So these three sets of threes spring forth the neurolinguistic pattern we must use to identify and separate the trick knowledge used against our critical consciousness people. You hear oftentimes people talk about critical thinking, but they don't talk about the critical consciousness. As we deal with that, there's three elements, again, a trifactor of, of, of binaries that we must address. Symptoms from problems, descriptions versus explanation, and answer instead of a solution. That goes into the traps that, that, that we are held in. When operating in a war zone, the first thing we must accept is, the, is that we are in a war zone. Battlefield trauma is a clinically defined condition. This has been referred to as post-traumatic uh, slave syndrome, but it is not until our people know how to see into these patterns of battlefield perception will they be able to overstand the requirements of engaging in this warfare. Everything we do to combat a combative condition not linked to being first a soldier, forget physical for the time being. I'm talking soldier in the awareness of mental, psychological, and spiritual, again, a trifactor, combative consciousness, so that we can see the problem and stop addressing only symptoms and trick on the focus of descriptions in order to not work on the explanations. Must have the missing exposure to patterns, levels of insight that will allow us to be in line with collective accountability for solutions, not just simple answers. So with that being said, healing starts with a people defining themselves. But that first comes by way of identifying the current, and I want you to keep note of that because this, this is, we're dropping jewels of information here that can be utilized. Identifying the current lens 
in which we as Africans recognize who, what, where, and why we are in terms of positional power being sought and then how to go about the progression as the definition grows in our awareness and the awakening of self-determination. The California report uh, to study reparations were no different than what was found out when the Kerner report was produced based on executive order, order 11365 on July 29, 1967, which is exactly 55 years to date, which is July 29, 2022, of the day of attack was launched against the uh, International People's Democratic Uhuru Movement, Impedum, headed by Chairman Omali Yesateli. And that's no coincidence, people. Again, we must learn to see the patterns on the battlefield in order to apply strategic or strategies, conduction, and tactics. Now, catch that here. Most, again, a lot of times we're not taught to be able to read between the lines. So, therefore, most people are only familiar with the concept of strategy and tactics. But they have been led to not be aware of the conduction. So we're going to break those down because strategy and tactics don't work unless you have something to, to create a conduit, which goes back to why our foundations are constantly having to be rebuilt with each generation. So let's briefly go over the mechanisms we work from as Black Panthers. And this is some internal information I'm dropping on y'all so y'all are aware of the power that needs to happen. So within the mechanisms, we have a concept called cores which stand for kinetic operational resistance engagement. Each mechanism group is based on a core. The first core is a continuity core. Within a continuity core, the infrastructural mechanism, which we call foundational advancement, build, building, on, uh, building stability or stable infrastructure is the end means to our power, and it will not be achieved if we are not actually building our way of life with a clear projection of generational advancement and a long-term community development. The vision of the BPP is shaped and molded in, in the infrastructure. This foundation does not crystallize, but adapts to the needs of the people, all while remaining grounded in the principles of legacy. Next one here, the institutional mechanisms, which is our generational advancement. So we Talk about with the, the, the continuity core, the foundational advancement, and then we go into the generational advancement. And we put these two together within the continuity core. We refer to it as foundational generational advancement. So now the institutional mechanism comes when a shell of foundational advancement is intact so that the next generation can prepare to carry out the legacy of, uh, of empowerment. In order to allow the conductive, there we go again, the conductive skill fostering, and growth of ingenuity. And institution must be established. Institution houses the curriculum and body of resources from which seeding can embody, embed, and sprout. This brings together proven processes of kinetic progressive action from which our successive collective generations are able to replicate embodiment of achievement that is stackable in generational leadership, instructional, and historical wealth. So the first one, again, is the continuity core of that trifactor that we deal with in terms of our mechanism cycles. The next one here is where we find the majority of our membership, and we, call, we refer to that as the boots on the ground, is the battlefield core. The battlefield core covers our defense mechanism, 
is filtered through which the parties defense, security, health, fitness, and combat trifactor, also referred to as social, economic, political, or mind, body, spirit, readiness is employed. This mechanism starts with conditioning of our internal vessel via critical thinking. One of the first classes you have engaging as a panther is critical thinking. The next mechanism is a resource mechanism, is a filter through which the party's resource development, control, and design is employed. With internally, a lot of time people refer to this as the economic mechanism, but we must also realize that resource is not a substitute for economics. I'm sure I say economics is not a substitute for resources. What we are developing is resources, people, not just economics, but resources. The next engagement is the community mechanism. Is the filter through which all communication affairs relation and the community service programs are put into place. The last one within the field, the battlefield cause is the information mechanism. It's the filter through which the party's information is gathered, propaganda is distributed, and political academic education is disseminated. So the third part of that trifactor, which is the heavy hitter called the life core. Within the life core, we deal with our foundational fundamentals. The first one being identity mechanism. There's a filter through which the party's cultural, education, cohesive value, and principles of freedom and liberation is disseminated. Running in sync with the information mechanism, the identity mechanism ties itself, work, uh, I'm sorry, ties self-value and work to a cause. And you must have them both together running in concert, self-value and work. The next one is what we call the laboratory mechanism. It's a mechanism by, by which our research, experimentation, and development is engaged. We must employ and interject our future towards kinetic self-sufficiency operations by structuring full-scale laboratories and think tanks that focus on cutting-edge processes in materials, technologies, software, techniques, and social interaction enhancements. The third part of this is the engineering mechanism. It's a mechanism by which ingenuity, talents, labor, scientific advancements, and means of productions is deployed. And peep the fact that, again, when we talk about trifactors, we're talking about three, three elements that have been provided here as we deal with life core as opposed to survival core. So now what we want to go into is this brings us to the point of, of our psychological diet. The survival core goes over to what we call the coping mechanism. It's based on the use of what we call GLUES. The acronym for GLUES is guessing, luck, understanding, emotion, and survival. Let me break that down. Too often we find ourselves guessing our way through life. Too often we think we were lucky with something working toward our benefit. Too often, most of us operate with the ability to simply deal with understanding as opposed to understanding and overstanding. So understanding is not going to cut it when we talk about self-determination. We must be able to embody something, which is the understanding, and we must be able to overstand it, which means we are able to create production. To give you a breakdown of that, to know how to drive a motor vehicle is understanding. I know how to turn it, turn it on, crank it up, maneuver my, my way up and down a road. That's simply understanding. Understanding is when I know how to work on that vehicle if it breaks down. 
overstanding is when I am capable of replicating and making uh, a motor vehicle from scratch and all that goes into that. So if we're talking about self-determination, people, if we're talking about being in control of our own destiny, we have to overstand, period. So this goes into what we call workarounds as means of self-repair. Because our collective lack of pattern awareness and the missing link that is intentionally not taught from academic level to the masses, the tactical end-time moment processing method is exchanged for our conductive circulation. There you go to go to word again, conductive circulation. Again, when we talk about anything that has to do with con conduit or conduction or currency, we're talking about strategy, conduction, then tactics. It is this removal that allows, that also prevents the black community from grasping the need to circulate economics and mistake this for capitalism. We are not being taught life. We are being fed mental cholesterol, which forms blockages from birth through our unawareness in the role of epigenetics. These, these gaps in exposure form the collective foundation of experience workarounds treated as solutions that never lead the obstacle course. The next one here is the denial mechanism. The denial mechanism provides proof that before we learn to internalize who we are and address the problems by not just coping with the symptoms, we must first be willing to admit and see our part in failures. This requires personal accountability, and often our victimization calls one to look outward for blame. The denial of reflective inner awareness is a result of post-traumatic slave disorder. The denial mechanism also applies to a society that operates from entitlement and not realizing the freedoms it has gained as a result of stripping other people of their freedoms. Denial the denial mechanism is the bedrock of enslavement. We're close to wrapping up here. Bear with me. Our psychological diet must change with a quest for taking back our possession of self-determination, which means to define what is in the best interest of our people, we must first perceive and we must have perception. To develop what is in the best interest of our people, we must first actively pursue. And to defend what is in the best interest of our people, we must be readily able to preserve. Which brings about, again, the mechanism cycle, which the trifactor is continuity, battlefield, and life. These are the requirement things for us to be able to get out of what we're dealing with, people. So in saying that, our diet will then be ready to generate, to generationally embrace healing so our digestive cells will seize, reflect, connect what is necessary for a consistent, collective, synchronized, direct action through people power. So in closing here, signing out your comrade in arms but a war, willing, able, ready, linguistical operation, core consciousness. All power to the people. Uh, see, what it says in our manual, black, pan-African, black nationalist, revolutionary scientists. Black That's Panthers. Right. You know, Brother War is very instrumental in, in the drafting of our MBPP manual, as well as the Reconstruction manual. The majority majority author of the reconstruction manual we should say 
The comrade is always building. Solid ally. We give you a black power salute, brother. We appreciate you, especially when you're coming on at late, late, late notice invite. But we needed that balance. I want to ask uh, really quickly as we get ready to bring on our last presenters, which will be <coughs> Baba Amin and Queen Unkoyo of the Uhuru Academy, who are going to check us out on the self-determined tip, not only dealing with reparations, but also self-determination as they talk about their schools and the programs that they're doing. Um, but Brother War, do you have an update or any intel about what's going on with the uh, reparations initiatives in California you can give us a briefing on? Well, there's going to be another meeting that's going to be on um, the June the 29th that, that goes over the continual progress. So what I can do is i shoot you that information so folks can, uh, can monitor that and see that as well. But again, uh, our Secretary of State has done an outstanding job in terms of being able to push the narrative here in California and inform, inform that committee. Uh, a lot of the things that I covered, again, goes over the psychological uh, consciousness that must be readily deployed through our people in order for us to even really be able to not allow reparations to set us back, if in fact that it happens. But first and foremost, we must hold ourselves accountable uh, for the work that must be done from a, a psychological level. That's right. That's right. Well, we appreciate you, brother. Keep building. We hope hope to have you on board at our next convening on August the 19th for Marcus Barber Weekend, Black Power. <clears throat> Black Power, next up, Bob Amin, are you on here? I know I saw you just a second ago. I see you. I see you, Amin. You've got to uh, come on out of mute. Let's see. Can we get a mic check? Black Power, mic check one, two. Mic check, mic check one, two. All right, all right. Last but not least, <laughs> represent RBG I'm, Community. That's right. <laughs> Yahoo Academy. That's Even right, though he's in South Carolina right now, I met this brother in Texas, in Fort Worth, Texas. Funky Town, Funky Town. Represent. Beautiful wife. Had a school, the Yahoo Academy. And I'm talking about, this is a, I'm talking about a black power, a power couple dynamic. And their beautiful children, their beautiful family. Thank you. Um, the brother has a lot of information to bring, uh, culturally wise, entrepreneur wise, yeah. um, you name it. So, without further ado, we'll have you check us on now, Baba Black Power. Black Power, Black Power. And uh, Mama's trying to log in. Uh, uh, she'll get in here as soon as she can. All right, but. Uh, she's giving me permission to go ahead and get us going uh, tonight. Uh, first, do you I have want... a PowerPoint? Um, yeah, I'm going to share my screen. You know, okay, yeah, a... you can just take just over. Give... Yeah, yeah, I just, you know, it won't be uh, a lot, y'all. Just, just a, uh, a a few visuals to kind of aid us as we go on a, on our quick journey uh, uh, with 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 the information tonight. You know what I'm saying? And I'm getting that uh, together right now. I'm about to share my screen. All right. And while I do that, I want to give props to you, uh, Sister Crystal, for and, pre and express my appreciation for your continued work, your continued dedication uh, to our people and, and to you and your team for organizing uh, such a powerful event, you know. And no, doubt, no doubt. Thank you. And, Sister, I see you're in. Just go ahead and push your mic and see if it'll go ahead and, and uh, let you in 
Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. All right, all right. Now I'm about to mute. I'm about to mute everybody else now. It should only be these two. All right. Should we gonna do a quick mic check? Keep talking. Let's see, Mike. Mike check. check one, two, one, check two. One, two, one, two. All right, that's a 10-4. Y'all got it. Black Power. Black Power, Black Power. All that mic check, and I almost went into my other zone. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All right, peace and power to everybody here. Uh, again, uh, my name is Baba Amin Ojuwok. Uh, I have the honor of presenting this evening with my beautiful and powerful uh, compliment uh, a partner in liberation, uh, 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 Mama Nkoyo Ojuo. Peace, Mama. Peace, peace, everybody. Peace, Baba. All right, y'all. We are in the same house, just in separate rooms. <laughs> so bear with us. You know, Mama didn't put me on the couch tonight. Uh, we're actually doing this on purpose, okay? All right, so we're going to go ahead and, and get started. We were given the uh, uh, topic of Black Power, building institutions and the reparations movement right and i'm going to share my screen here uh uh in, in just a second let me see here we're gonna go right here let me get it together let me get it together all right let's go here let's go here Let's go here. We're online quite a bit, y'all, pretty much every day during the school year because we are co-founders of the Uhura Academy, and we're going to definitely talk to you all about uh, the Uhura Academy here in, in, in just a second. All right. And where is this thing? It's not showing me my uh, the right, right window. So bear with me one second. Right, got it. All right. So let me do this. So it's going to show my desktop. We can do that. We'll just do that for now. Well, here it is, Google Chrome. All right. All right. All right. All right. Everybody can see see my screen. Okay. And this is Oh, just, yeah. We can see your screen looking good. You got it. Black Power. Going back on All right. Music. Black Power. Oh, we going to make it do what it do. All right. We're going to make it do what it do. All right. So, <clears throat> Black Power, Building Institutions, and the Reparations Movement, Mama. That's what we got. That's what we have tonight. All right, and uh, I want to go ahead and tell those of you who don't know just a little bit about who we are. Uh, uh, I am Baba Mean, like I said, and I'm here with my divine compliment in Koyobina, Mama in Koyo, Ifayemi in Koyobina, Ojiwoke. Uh, number one, we are divine compliments. I think that's very important uh, to, to, to point out. Let's resurrect the black family. You can't talk about black power without talking about the black family. Don't you agree, Mama? And, uh, I say. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, we are parents. Our, our, our most important job together of, of eight beautiful children, well, four of them grown. Uh, uh, well, dang, yeah, five, five. of them grown now, huh? I was five, just got five. one more, one more up and up and moving around. We got three more to go, uh, but they they forever yours and, and one grandchild. Uh, again, and that's very important because uh, that's legacy. Right. That's 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 right. our legacy. That's that's building on to the next generation. Uh, we're also co-founders of the Uhura Academy. Uh, the Uhura Academy is an independent African-centered institution of learning where we specialize in bringing African-centered education solutions to the community. Uh, we founded the Uhura Academy back in 2010, and we'll talk a little bit more about the Uhura Academy and some of the programs that we are offering uh, the community uh, as as we go on and some of the work that we've done. Uh, as we as we go on, all right. Uh, I'm also interactive. If someone has a question for me in the chat, 
uh, or, or a question while we're presenting, uh, that's fine as well. And, and Mom and Koyo, even if you can go in the chat and just put our contact, maybe an email, something like that in the chat for the people, uh, uh, that would be cool. Uh, as that is Right, cool, mm-hmm. cool, 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 cool. All right. We're also co-founders of the Temple of New African Unity, uh, which is a, uh, a, a, a spiritual uh, community, an African-centered, universalist spiritual community where our only religion is black folk coming together, finding that common ground, uh, rallying around those principles that we all have in common as a black community and learning how, relearning how to build uh, upon those principles. All right. We're also hip-hop activists. Uh, we do music. Uh, we, we've always used our music to teach, use our music to elevate the community, to bring a strong message. Uh, we've organized around uh, independent artists to, to help them uh, 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 strengthen their messages, uh, uh, market their music, uh, and, and continue to get those powerful messages out there that our community needs, uh, using hip-hop as a tool to uplift and empower uh, black people. Uh, we also currently serve proudly as the co-ministers of education for the provisional government uh, uh, of the Republic of New Africa. Uh, and to that, we say free the land. Uh, free the uh, land. Free the land by any means necessary. Uh, and it's an honor to be a part of such an esteemed uh, uh, movement uh, as we move forward and, and create uh, education solutions uh, for our community. So uh, we want to say peace to the family, everyone that's here, everyone that's going to catch uh, the recording afterwards. It's truly an honor to be here. And for those of you who've been on here since 9 a.m., I almost want to send you a T-shirt or something. Y'all, you deserve a hoodie. You know what Honorary I'm mention. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Right. So, so, so shout like, out. That's, a, that's the teaching, y'all. Y'all trying to give us some, some gold stars. Yeah, yeah, that's what the teacher be right. I want to print up certificates and everything. Like, who put in twelve hours today? You on the honor roll. You know what I'm saying? But, 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 but what it what it definitely shows though is that 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 we have people out here that are serious about building, serious about serious about bringing uh, solutions into the community. You know what I'm saying? And and y'all know how this thing goes. Uh, uh, Black power in our community. A lot of times it ebbs and flows. Right. And what I mean by that is there are periods where it's popular. Right. There are periods where it's just popular to have on your red, black and green and and, 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 and scream black power. Right, mama. You know what I'm saying? And get out here and wear your carry shells and things like that. It, it, it gets, It's fashionable. And then there are times when it's not so fashionable. And it's during those times when it's not so fashionable. Right. When you see the people who are still doing it, still consistent, still working. Right. That's when you find your comrades. That's, and, 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 and that's when you find, you know, what I'm saying? like everybody could have been outside eating barbecue or something today. But you took time out to be a part of this think tank. And that says a lot about your commitment uh, to our community and, and says a lot about your awareness of the type of work that it actually takes in order to build right a, a community, build black power, to maintain uh, black power, to make sure that we control the narrative and the definitions around uh, black power. It takes work. It takes putting uh, boots to ground, right? It, it, it takes being out there and pulling that, that uh, sparking that, that uh, energy inside of our people that's already there. And, and, and showing each other how to manifest our power and protect our power in ways, right, that, that, that uh, uh, complement and help us as opposed to helping other people, right? Kwame uh, Ture said that black power is the coming together of black people to fight for their liberation 
by any means necessary. I say. Black power is the coming together of black people to fight for their liberation by any means necessary. <clears throat> but what is black power? It's more than a black fist. It's more than a glove. Right? Right? It, it's more than a slogan. When, when Kwame Ture and, and, and Baba Mukasa Ricks and, and, and that youth movement uh, 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 of, the, of the 60s came together and began using the phrase black power, they were in the midst of cultivating political and black political and economic power in some of the most dangerous places for black people in America. They were in the midst of organizing the people of Lowndes County, you know what I'm saying, in the midst of organizing people in Mississippi, people in Alabama, people in Georgia, places where, where and, and a lot of times people frame it, well, they were there because it was really racist. They weren't just there because it was really racist, because like Malcolm said, ain't no difference between the South and the North. As long as you south of the Canadian border, you in the South. Okay. Right? But they were there, Mama, because strategically, that's where we were. Strategically, when you go across the South, that's where you see cities, communities, uh, municipalities that have majority black what? Population. Right. 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 And, and using this system as corrupt as it is, but the voting system in this country, when you have a majority population, there's potential to cultivate power. There's potential to 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 uh, uh, gain a position and a standing in the community where you can protect what you have, right? And so that young that generation, when they screamed black power, they what they, they were talking about, you know, what I'm saying cultivating black economic power, black political power, building black institutions in our community, strengthening black communities. So they were walking through black communities that had been many that had been powerful before. I'll say. I think about Third Ward in, in Houston that was that that was actually uh, uh, with Houston being I believe Houston was annexed around 1874 uh, 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 and then you know before then early 1800s and then after the Civil War during Reconstruction you had black folks started moving around the area and Sister Chris can attest to this right called Third Ward in Houston. Well, That's they right. Triggered, third Ward, Fifth Ward. That's right. Yeah, right, right. Well, well, uh, in Third Ward in particular, they triggered white flight. You know, we still triggering white flight, which I think is a, is a cool political strategy. They triggered white flight and began to move into the heart of what they call Third Ward. Well, in the late 1800s, a group of 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 of, of, of leaders came together, led by a brother by the name of Pastor Yates. I believe there was a Yates High School in Houston. Right? They got together. Uh, yeah, Jack Yates, right? Uh, got, you know, when Mr. Yates and, and his comrades got together, put together $8,000, right, and bought uh, uh, four acres of land and called that land Emancipation Park. And on that land, right, they began to commemorate Juneteenth. That wasn't the first Juneteenth celebration, right? But it's one that stands out in history, you know, uh, as an example of what our people was thinking about with Juneteenth. A lot of times we talk about Juneteenth as something that uh, celebrated the end of slavery. But our ancestors were celebrating the beginning of freedom. Right, right. Right. I read a narrative about a brother who, who, when he got the news in Texas that they were free, he said, everybody on the plantation, jump for joy. Then after a little while, somebody finally said, finally said, I'm finna go. Where are you going? I'm finna go find freedom. Where is it? Like it's a place. Right. 
somebody else said, man, what, what is freedom? Someone said, man, we're about to be rich because we're the ones doing all the work. So if they finna pay us for what we do, we finna be richer than white folks. They were trying to figure out what is freedom. Where is it? Is it something I can touch, something I can see, something I can feel? And guess what? They found out right away that freedom was something that they was going to have to get and build and maintain on our own. Matter of fact, when Grange and them came, they said, look, you, they can no longer hold you as slaves, but, but, but now you're going to be wage earners. But we encourage you not to leave. Stay on the plantation and work it out with your mouth. They even told them that you can't come anywhere where the troops are, right, right, and, and, and get sanctuary. You need to find you some work. Good luck. So it ain't like black people had bodyguards, you know, all over. The Texas is a big state. So you had black people trying to now, we had to figure it out. So when you get to Emancipation Park, when you get to other communities that black people began building in Texas and, and in other places, you're looking at a people that are building something, right, on their own. Right? And that's, that's something that we have to respect. That's something that we have to celebrate. And that's something that we also have to learn from because as we have integrated into this culture, we've gotten away from some of the very foundational principles that allowed us to do those things. And they were doing those things without the benefit of African-centered education, but they were already centered in who they were because this oppressive society didn't blur the lines back then. Right? So black right. power coming together of black people to fight for the liberation by any means necessary and don't sleep. Our ancestors understood that, 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 that we had to fight for our liberation and that we couldn't just fight for our liberation within the box from which our oppressor allows us to fight. So voting was just a part of it. It's just a strategic tool that you only use when it's relevant to your liberation. So, so black power, you know, within itself, right, again, the coming together of black people to fight for our liberation by any means necessary. And we have to keep that by any means necessary, right? And, of course, you know, Kwame Ture and that generation greatly influenced by the great Malcolm X. We have to keep that by any means necessary in the forefront of our mind. That's the attitude that led to the building of and the development of the Uhura Academy, right, Mom? That's correct. I, and I want to um, make sure we give emphasis on black power wasn't just about a, a physical struggle of taking something or fighting for something. It was also about that, the spiritual struggle, I mean, uh, the spiritual fight, the uh, emotional fight. That was about the internal fight of us uh, being able to trust one another so that we can come together for that liberation. We had to liberate our minds. We had to liberate our, our other family members. So we have to understand that it's not just something you say and hold up your fist and say black power. That it's, it does, it does not just stop there. It does not mean that it's violent. It does not mean that you're going to be uh, walking around with guns or that it means so much more like that, like our, um, um, our ancestors and elders did. They started the the, uh, the lunch program, the breakfast program. Excuse me, the breakfast program. They were educating. They were walking. They were doing all. Just not educating the children. They were educating the community. So we have to understand that that is all encompassing. So I wanted to make sure I, uh, I definitely pointed that out and to understand that 
uh, reparations does not just start with somebody giving us something. It's about us healing and doing something within ourselves as well. Repairing. Repairing. Absolutely. So, so family, when we think about black power, don't just think about impacting the system. First, right. think about impacting self. I say. We need black spiritual power. And we are very powerful spiritually, but we're praying and giving our spiritual energy towards the upliftment of what? Right? Right. Right. You know, other communities, we have economic power, but where are we using that power to uplift too? We have right. kids have industrial power, but how are we using our industrial power to uplift who? So black power begins internally. I say. Good stuff. Good stuff. Right? Institution building. Okay? When our ancestors, uh, uh, number one, uh, the first institutions were built by African people. We never begin our history in a state of slavery. Uh, the first institutions ever built, uh, whether you want to talk about uh, the Grand Lodge of Wa'at uh, in ancient Kemet, uh, if you want to talk about the uh, 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 temples of ancient Kush, if you want to talk about the, the, the pyramid building and the mystery schools, uh, the great Imhotep, the world's first known multi-genius institution building, right? Or if you just want to talk about family, you know, uh, uh, the institution of right. family, like right. institution building is an African science. It's a black thing. You, you understand what I'm saying? And, and so so anything that we do as a people, right, has to uh, uh, begin with institution building. After we manifest the right mentality internally, then what's going to manifest externally is to build institutions that will strengthen and uphold the, the values and the character that we've, we've decided as a people that we must maintain in order to be safe and in order to thrive. I say. One of the things that, that has weakened us has been the propaganda of inclusion, the, the yeah. of inclusion, right? right? The narrative that says things started turning around for us as black people in America when we can go into traditionally white spaces. And that right. is not true. Right. We were watching a documentary earlier today, right, Mama, and they were showing some of the early days of so-called integration. We call it pseudo-integration, where they were marching like three black children in this one particular community into the all-white school and lauding that as a great uh, victory, right? And, right. and, 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 and one of the, the children, uh, who's now an elder, was talking about on a documentary saying, you know, the books at our school were horrible. They were old books. The desks were torn up. You know, we didn't have that, right? And I said, well, we, me and mom was like, well, if you were, you're three children in a school of 200 children, right? Three of y'all just got access to new books, but 197 still got the same old book. Correct. Correct. So, so, so you got an illusion of inclusion, but your institution was weakened. Yeah. The yeah. fight was to build, was to strengthen the black institution, more economic and political control over the black school, not drain the black school of its finest students, Put them in the white school where you're also going to transfer the te- tax dollars and allow the black schools to die. Right, right, right. It's plating institution right. for inclusion. Right, right. Now that we're 60 years up from pseudo-integration, I think that it's safe for us to say that that was a detrimental move, right, right, as far as black freedom is concerned. When you compromise institutional power, to be included for an illusion of inclusion somewhere else, 
you're weakening yourself and you're weakening your community. I say. I say. And so institution building is key in reparation. There is no repair if we're not building institutions around that repair. Institutions right. to facilitate that repair and prepare ourselves to build institutions that will be born as a result of the repair. Right? Because if, if not, you're just going to repair Cadillac if you don't repair your mind. If you don't repair your mind, you're going to repair Gucci. Gucci don't get a reparation. Right. Right? And, and, and so institution building is key. When we founded the Uhura Academy in 2010, we had been working with youth for years. But we got tired of working for youth programs that were only putting Band-Aids on bullet wounds and basically pimping our people's poverty. Right. We were inspired by Marcus Garvey. We were inspired by Booker T. Washington. We were inspired by W.B. Du Bois and others. We were just uh, Monet Harrison, who's from Fort Worth, that built in Wallymoo School in Harlem in the 1930s. We were inspired by Nation House and other African schools during the Black Power era. And, and, and many, some of these schools are still open today. And we said, you know what? We're going to build a school in our community. And we're going to start with what we have. And we're going to build on what we know. Just like during the early 1900s, when, when, when black townships all over America, especially in the South, were, were having to use their own funds to build their own schools. Because even though they were paying taxes, their cities refused to use their tax dollars to help them build their schools. They were using black tax dollars to build white schools, schools in the white community. And black people, not undeterred, would come together with the few dollars they had, and they would build their own schools in their own communities. It's called being double taxed. Right. And it was when they started doing that that local governments began to give them their own tax dollars to help build their school. But the whole public school movement for black people in America was a, was a black power movement, and it was a movement that was initiated by black people who refused to allow another generation to go uneducated in this country. Institution building is key. And a lot of y'all got grandmamas and uncles and aunties that talk about how when they went to those segregated schools, they ain't talking all bad about them. They they would say, yeah, no problem. My my apologies. Uh, Let me get the sister back in here too. I was trying, somebody just came in. I was trying to block them and I accidentally. Oh, okay. Okay. Mkoyo? Yes, ma'am. All right, Black Power, y'all back on Black yeah, Power. All right, cool, 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 right. So, yes, y'all, uh, 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 during the 1920s, 1930s, there was a fight in the Black community, especially in rural areas, right, to provide education to Black students. And we don't hear the stories of the hundreds and hundreds of schools, right, that were built by rural and, and so-called poor Blacks, yeah. Black men who were marching to the woods and chopped down the trees themselves. Right. That's that's and black built, power. That's black power. And built the schools themselves. Right? 
They, uh, a lot of times you read about early education, mama, they, they always talk about the Rosenthal Fund, this rich Jewish family that established a fund that helped black schools get built throughout the South, and they would put the sign on it. This is a Rosenthal school. This is what the liberals like to do. This is a Rosenthal school. But then when you look at the records, the Rosenthal Fund will have sent $500, but the community raised $2,500 by itself. Mm-hmm. But it's called a Rosenthal school, but it's really a community school, and the Rosenthal gave them enough money to buy some books. Mm, mm, mm -hmm. They say that Abraham Lincoln freed you from slavery, but they don't tell you that 200,000 black people fought to free you from slavery. When you saw the movie Glory, it looked like it was just one black battalion that fought in the Civil War. Then they was group. Over 180,000 black soldiers fighting in the Civil War. Nobody freed us. We freed ourselves, but we call Abe Lincoln the great emancipator, and we call the people who fought in it slaves. We call, we call 180,000 black folks who fought for us slaves and call Abe Lincoln, who didn't want to free us, the great emancipator. Y'all see how that right. flipped? And right. how we have to change that narrative to the truth and then build institutions around that narrative? So we make sure that our people have access to an empowerment-based history. That's the power of African-centered education. That's the power of the Uhura Academy. Y'all, it's not enough for an occasional election. We got to get boots on the ground inside of our community. We started Uhura Academies in the middle of the hood. We converted former trap houses into schoolhouses. Right. We went to Houston and helped convert a boxing gym into a school. We're on a farm in South Carolina right now that's been converted into a school. We have a virtual online academy, K through 12, that's now international. I just enrolled two families from Ghana this month. Our people are hungry worldwide for a narrative that's empowering, that, they, that you can match with your mathematics. You can put it with your ELA, put it with your global language, put it with your skills training, your trades, your vocation. Now when, I, now when I become an electrician, mama, I'm going to be an electrician for black people. I now I'm coding, I'm going to code and I'm going to use my skill to help uplift my people and provide opportunities for my people because I was educated with a narrative housed in an institution. Right. Gave me a powerful foundation. I say, mama. I say, absolutely. And we went and just, you know, again, remembering that there were more of us that were looking forward to building institutions for our people, building businesses, building uh, churches. Then there were those who wanted to go to the go to the uh, to the white schools, to the white churches, to white stores. We have to remember that that that's what it's about. And there were, you know, there's the Tolson Chapel. Uh, that was uh, one of the places in, in, in uh, Sharpsburg, Maryland, that at, right after uh, the emancipation, they got together and they built a, a little chapel, a little barn. You know, we live in a small, tiny home that was, that was once a barn that's built into a barn dominium now as a tiny home. That's what they did, using what was in your hand in order to build, build and get what you need. You have everything that you need. You just go out and get it. That's what black power is, is understanding that you have the power to create what you desire. And that's not just some manifestation, manifestation talk or, you know, we are, that's a cool thing to be saying and doing right now. But that's what our people have been doing since 
the beginning of time. And definitely once once that war was over with that, we, we went straight into um, what we habitually done anyway. We just figured out the solution. What do we need? Let's go make it. Let's go get it. We didn't wait for anybody else to give it to us. And that's the continued energy awesome. that we need. Right. And we have to highlight those efforts, applaud those efforts. What else wrong that was ready? Absolutely, man. Freedom is scary. Right. When you've been slave for over 300 years, freedom is scary. When you ain't been out that gate your whole life and they say the gate's wide open, you can walk through. Right. And right, right now, in 2023, we still have a population, a segment in our community that's scared to walk through the gate. That's afraid. Hmm. I, know, I know PhDs that are afraid to start a business. Right, right. I know people with masters that if they don't get a job, they don't know what to do with themselves as far as how to survive. And I'm not dissing education, but what I am dissing is education that doesn't empower. Absolutely, because they were educated to go work for someone else. That was the, that was the the upcoming. That I mean that was the come uh, up. Right. You know what I'm saying? That's actually miss education. Education, absolutely. You got an education, but you miss. It's like when you you shoot a shot. You can either make it or you're going to what? Miss. Miss. Education is your jumper. The goal is, is the empowerment and upliftment of not just yourself, your family, your people, right? And if you shoot your shot and you miss, you're miseducated. That's right. right. And, and, and so we're dealing with mass miseducation in our community, largely as a result of pseudo-integration. I say. Right? And so... We have to get black to building and preserving our own institutions. Let's keep moving, y'all. All right? Reparations. Repair. It's a reason why I chose this image. Because when we think reparations, a lot of times we think about the check, the money, and make no mistake, they do owe. It is old, and I ain't turning down nothing but my collar. <laughs> okay? All right? If, when it's, it, you know, but, but America owes. Europe owes, right, right? But we also owe ourselves. We also owe ourselves. And repair, repair is when we can put the crown back on this baby's head. Repair is when we begin raising a a, a, a generation of children that's going to protect what we fight for, protect what we build. No more, no more uh, 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 one-generation revolution. No more generations who come up and they protest just like the generation before them. Like how y'all notice we still sing We Shall Overcome? Have y'all noticed we still use the same blueprint from the early 60s uh, 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 when, when they kill somebody, uh, uh, when, when they murder and terrorize our people in the streets? We're still using some of the same tactics, and we're only using the surface tactics. The marching part, the negotiation part ain't, ain't really what it was. The power, the leverage, leveraging the black vote, is that a real thing anymore? Leverage, leveraging the black dollar, is that a real thing anymore? Or have we illusion of inclusion ourselves out of, uh, a le- out of our own leverage? So a part of repair, a part of our reparation, right, will be to repair our self-image. To repair the definitions of who we are. Because we even come together in our black power spaces and struggle with our prejudice against one another. 
We even walk in the many of us walk in the community and we see the baby and we don't see the crown. We don't see the divinity in the child when we look at the child. We listen to them. We listen to the enemy when they say he's hyperactive and he doesn't want to learn. Because we don't know no better, no more. We, we don't forgot that he's hyper intelligent and they just don't know how to teach him. We forgot that he's royalty, that he's divinity, that, that, that his sister, his counterpart, she's royalty and she's divinity. And when, we, when we're able to see this first, that's when reparations begin. When you see this first, you fight for reparations. When you see this first, you don't wait for the United States to decide to write you a check. When you see this first, you go back to the UN. You pick up the fight that Malcolm uh, put down. You, you, you help organizations like in Cobra that's been on the front line. You help strengthen the organizations instead of sitting back on the sidelines. Right. And and, 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 and and trying to uh, 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 criticize from the couch. Right. You don't you don't continue arguing over. Well, who are we? We should be black Americans. We should be uh, African descendants, American descendants of slaves. You, this is the words we need to use when we go talk to them. You're trying to find the right way to ask master for extra sugar cane. What's a word that they'll accept? No. What's a term that we'll accept? What are the terms that we'll accept? What are the terms that will spark us to repair us? And then we don't care about the terms that they'll use, you know, with their law, according to their law. Or Now, we don't say their law. We say the law. And, you know, when you put the definitive article on something, that means there's nothing else that can stand beside it. How are you going to fight an enemy that's definitive? You can write law, you can determine a law, and you can stand on that law. But you have to see something first. You have to see that crown on that baby's head. You have to know who you're standing up for and who you're fighting for. We applaud all reparations movements that are sincere about repairing our people. Reparation movements that focus on building institutions, reparation movements that focus on getting that getting getting them the funds, the money that owe our money to us, right? And not just in the form of that failing United States dollar. We talking land, we're talking minerals, we're talking the right and ability to build a nation of our own. We're talking uh, uh, the right way for those who want to remain a part of this country, a way to really be independent and a nation within a nation in this country. <clears throat> I see little Italy. I see uh, uh, Chinatown. We got to have little Africa if, if that's what you're rocking, if you're trying to rock like that. But the illusion of inclusion has to be destroyed. And we must repair the mind of our people, and it begins with our children. Dr. John Henry Clark <clears throat> says, to control the people, you must first control what they think about themselves and how they regard their history and culture. And when your conqueror makes you ashamed of your culture and your history, he needs no prison walls and no chain to hold you. Of course, the Democrats can 
can start waving a, a reparation carrot in front of you. They're very confident that we've been miseducated to the point to where whatever we offer you, when they say it's good, it's good. When they say it's bad, it's bad. They're controlling your thinking so they're not worried about our what? Actions. And a lot of times they bring up black power talking points, not because they want to do anything for our people, but only because they want to take over the what? The narrative. When you said black, when our baby said black lives matter, Obama and them swooped in and say we have to control the what? The narrative. When black people were 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 uh, 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 emancipated from slavery, the number one priority was was making sure that we that this society, the dominant society, controlled what was on black people's minds. Because even way back to Thomas Jefferson, when you study his notes on the state of Virginia, he said black people and white people will never be able to live together in this country. And one of the main reasons he focused on was there's no way we can do this to them and they ain't going to want some get back one day. I'm paraphrasing. Abraham Lincoln's first proposal to black people, black black people after emancipation, was to help us establish a nation of our own in South America. Because he too believed that as long as black people and white people live together in this country, especially based on the history, one has the rule over the other. And, of course, he was in favor of his people being that, that group that ruled. So if you're going to be here, your mind is priority. Your miseducation is priority. Don't ever think they're not worried about what you think. Billions of dollars are, is poured into how we think how we move. I mean, such a creative and productive people, a people that can move the needle of, the, of culture all over the world. And you have them in such a mind state that whenever they create something great, they hand it right over to you for free. So you create hip hop, he can turn it into a multi-billion dollar industry. Whatever you like, the world likes but you don't like yourself. To control the people, you must first control what they think about themselves and how they regard their history and culture. Y'all, we can march all we want. We can, and we need to march. We need to arm up, get on, all of that. We need to get acquire land. We need to build schools. But in everything that we do, the foundation needs to be an understanding of who we are. All right, Mama, you weren't able to unmute, but I see you say, according to the acts that were done to us physically, mentally, and spiritually, it should be an equal response. Wait a minute. You said she can't unmute? And call you. Hold on. No, no, no. no. You got, yes, you're having an issue unmuting. Oh, no, no. We're going to let the sister speak. Please. We're going to let the sister speak. Speak, sister, speak. We need some balance. Okay. I was like, oh, man. Hold on. Let's see. Mike check queen. There she is. Mike check. There I am. Oh, yeah. And the sister is the MC, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They got to learn about that natural music. I got something for y'all. I got something for y'all. I got something for you before we leave. Black power. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Mom and Koyo, your thoughts. You have the floor, queen. 
as far as as far as the reparations, I, again, I, I believe that I, I definitely understand now that I've uh, that the anger has gone. When you get into the newfound understanding, when you when you um, repair your mind, when you um, are repairing your heart, your mentality, your emotions. You know, you you're you're learning to have authority over those things, um, those energies, and that feeling of those those atrocities that were done to us as a people. And you want to get back. That's the natural response before you get all the before your your mind is you know is uh um I don't even want to say that never mind. Once before you 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 really get inserted to the knowledge and become quote unquote woke. When you find out that that new that the things that were done to us, that natural thing is to get back. I want my lick back, and we have to understand wow. that, you know, before we can get that lick back, we have to have that fortification of our people, our backup. You know, uh, Asada, Asani, um, Angela Davis. Um, 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 uh, the sister, uh, Cleaver, they had, and, uh, and the brothers as well, they had their, they had that, they had that, that community behind them. They had that support. So they could get out there and we can get out. Our people were able to get Fred Hampton, uh, senior, and can get out there and make those bold statements and try to get that get back. The Black Panther Party can walk with those guns and try to get that get back that way. But they couldn't really get the get back. They could only carry the guns, but to use them really out there, we had to have our own, and that's what they were working to do was to get their own, get fortify our neighborhoods so that we could have that that um, that tunnel that was used in the seventies to get a lot of our our freedom fighters up out of here when they were when they were trying to be when they were uh, trying to slaughter and kill and imprison our our people. We need that the land that we sitting on, the people who got eight hundred acres, twenty acres, five acres, two acres, you got it, and it's yours. Let's work on making sure that we we allow ourselves we fortified we with food with the weaponry with everything that you need and then you let others know about it. That's not keeping. We got to get off this individual mentality that is all oh, this is mine. I'm taking care of mine and my my own. And that's not what that's about. We can't get together and get our reparations if we don't repair the the unity and support of our people of our community. And that's what I, I, I always, cause I'm, I can tend to be a hothead, you know, Baba tell you, you know, he, he, he try to calm, he got to calm me down cause I'm ready to, to, to go to, um, to act on that natural instinct to get the get back. But we have to be, we have to be mindful of how we're going to do that. It ain't, I'm still going to be able to get my get back, but how am I going to get it? I need to be fortified. I need to be able to know if I get my get back, what's going to happen to me afterwards? Am I just getting back? And then we losing lives and we've lost, my, you know, all that. So family's broken up. So we need to be able to fortify ourselves. Yeah, what revolution look like, right? We, that's right. That's right. That's right. So I, that was all the things I was holding in. And Bob was talking. He was bringing up good points. So I get the, I get, when I get in the chat, that means, oh, yeah, he on fire. I need to be able to respond. I need to be able to respond. But, yes, it's. That's what is black power is all about. Institution building, building our minds up, um, um, building, fortifying our spiritual, our spirituality within us and knowing that we are the black power. We are the power that we're seeking. We're all that that we're seeking. We just need to get to put an action behind that. We need to put an action behind that. 
I say, beautiful, beautiful. Black power to you, uh, Brother James, in the chat as well. I say, Last week, we still have several students in DFW as well. We still organize. Shout out to Lone Star RBG. Uh, we're still organizing in DFW as well. <clears throat> also want to shout out to our comrades out here in South Carolina, UASC International. Uh, y'all definitely go visit UASCinternational.org. Mama, you, you, that, that's what I'm talking about. We are the power. We are the power. Well, I'm, 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 I'm going to stay with you. All right. <laughs> your best bet, brother, is your best threat. You ain't never. <laughs> All right. So check this out, y'all. Before we get out of here, uh, I definitely want to share some, a couple of things that we have going on right now. Uh, we've partnered, and I want to also shout out to Dr. Oya Mayad of Morgan gotcha. State University and the Truth to Power Truth to Power Talk with Dr. Maya podcast. She has a, uh, a STEM program called Conscious Ingenuity at ConsciousIngenuity.com. We've partnered with, with her uh, to organize a powerful STEM camp, Science, Technology, Engineering, and Math Camp, uh, Summer 23 uh, of 2023. It's going to be it's both virtual and live. We're doing 30 students. Uh, they're going to be learning African history, uh, coding, and, and it's going to be the African history in STEM from ancient times to now. Uh, coding, uh, academics, uh, we're going to cover uh, artificial intelligence and cybersecurity, working with real black engineers. Okay. Right? We're going to receive their own uh, Chromebooks and microbit computers, and they'll be able to build their own microbit computers as a part of the program and keep the Chromebooks when the program uh, is over. Uh, slots are filling fast. Go to UhuraAcademy.com to get more information about that. Also, if you know anyone ages 16 and up who stopped out of high school that needs their high school diploma, our Operation Reconnect program is enrolling right now as well. Go to Uhura Academy.